Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, a place to be to talk about all that we wonder, whisper, and wish we knew about our bodies, hormones, and life cycle changes. In this space, I offer vulnerability, wisdom, connection, and helpful transformational mind, body, and spirit tools. Please join me as I take the stigma out, stop the whisper, and speak out loud about life cycle changes from puberty to menopause. Welcome to episode two, everyone. This is Julie. In this episode of the Life Cycle Lady podcast, I'm going to be talking about honoring or respecting the transition into puberty and the menstrual cycle in particular for tweens and teens. So this podcast was born out of the whispers, the grunts, and disbelief, and and maybe even, dare I say, anger, (laughs) that I hear when I talk to women in my puberty classes about how to help their girls through the transition we call puberty and help them connect and even honor this stage of life. So this podcast is focusing at helping young girls in this stage as people who are mothers or care providers or connected to young girls. However, If you don't personally have a transitioning girl in your life, I think this is still a great podcast to listen to, to reflect on and maybe even heal some aspects of your own puberty and or even menstrual years. I have to name that first of all, I just recorded this episode, but my mic was not turned on. So frustrating. Um, so I'm going to do my best because that last one, man, it was awesome. I'm going to do my best to remember all the wise words that I said or that came through me. Um, so let me start by saying I call, I'm calling this episode honoring and respecting the menstrual cycle. And I want to say I hear and see many of you out there. I meet you daily. You, many of you, absolutely cannot stand your own menstrual cycle. And probably you even hated puberty. And I totally, totally get that. Many of you have told me that it seems like your body is against you. You've told me it seems like your body attacks you each and every month. You might be one of the millions of women that is living with polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis or fibroids or any other women's health issues. And so when you hear the words of me asking you to help teacher children or loved ones to honor the cycle, honor puberty, you're probably thinking like, no way, right? Maybe you never even found yourself on this, listening this far, <laughs> right? Hopefully you're still here. Um, you might just even have PMS and you've never really enjoyed your cycle. You, you've maybe never even thought about connecting to your cycle. So I just want to say to you all, I get it. Truly, I get it. Um, I still want you to come along the ride and join this podcast. Because I'm going to be talking about some of the social constructs and cultural conditions and ways of being that have led to this thinking about our menstrual cycles ex curses and puberty as this like hellish period of time that we all wish we could forget. So 
cultural neurobiology um, is been around for about a decade now, and it studies the effects of culture on our brain patterning and even on our genetics. And it shows that culture does in fact pattern our very thoughts and beliefs and even our biochemistry. And so how they've studied this is they've studied lots of different cultural phenomenons and studied our brain and then studied if we teach things differently, right? So what happens in our brains is that from an early age, we pick up messages, right? And the majority of those messages become unconscious. They become stories and beliefs that are unconscious. They live in our unconscious brain, which is about 80%. And our conscious brain is only 20%. So obviously, it's way more unconscious than is conscious, but the unconscious is completely dictating and, you know, sculpting, let's say, how our thoughts are patterned. And therefore, what we found is how our thoughts are patterned actually affects our very biochemistry and even our genome whether genes are turned on or not. So you might have a specific gene for, say, your polycystic ovarian syndrome, but whether or not that gets turned on or not, in part, not in whole, but in part, definitely becomes from our thoughts and our conditioning and our biochemistry. So given that, I'm not saying outright that culture caused your picos or any other issues that you might have or made you hate, your menstrual cycle, but it definitely does not help. And in many, many ways, what we've seen from research studying our brain and and how culture and our stories impact it is that we don't even know that these things are part of us, right? Our unconscious is unconscious until we kind of shed a light on it. And sometimes it takes a long time to do that, to have those aha moments, right? So obviously this episode is actually about puberty and girls who are starting their period or having their period. So I digress, but I really wanted to point out that those things are incredibly important. And this is the reason why. Because the menstrual cycle in this phase of life is huge for all of us and huge for young girls and boys. But in this episode, I'm, I'm just specifically speaking to girls. It is huge on so many different levels, on every level. It is huge on our physical health. So the menstrual cycle is the sixth vital sign of life. It is if you have menstrual cycle abnormalities or issues early on in life, it is definitely predictive for osteoporosis, one of the major things that happens in later life, and also heart health. So heart disease is the number one killer of women. And your menstrual cycle can predict whether or not those things occur, right? So we're wanting to keep our menstrual cycles very normal, very natural, and very healthy. And we don't even know what those are because we don't even see it as we don't even know that fact. We don't even know that it's helping and predictive of our overall health and wellness. Those are just two things, the bone health and the heart health. There's other things that it also um, can predict. So our menstrual cycle is huge, and so many of us know nothing about it, right? 
There is no meaning to it. It's also huge in our mo- emotional health. It's huge in so ma- in our spiritual health. It's su- huge in so many different ways. And what happens is we don't talk about it, right? We don't talk about it with our girls or our boys. We maybe were given a class at some point. Probably most of us were given a one or two hour class. For some of us, it might have been longer. And some of us might have even had a mom that told us a little bit about us. The vast majority of what I hear is women in their 30s and 40s, they, you got nothing. You got the one or two hour class that was very biological in nature that told you a bit about what a period was and what to do about it. And that is it. There was no honoring of it. Of it, of it. There was no telling you that it was a huge part of your life that was going to be a huge part of your health. There was no talking about the cycle or cycles of life. There was no talking about much of the meaning of it. It was just very purely bio, like biology in nature, right? So what I've heard from girls that are going through puberty or are about to start their period or started their period is a few things. One of the things they tell me is they don't want to start their cycle because they don't want to be a woman. They don't feel like they're ready to be a woman. So somehow they've got the messaging that once you have your cycle, then you become a woman. And they're still very much, you know, 8, 9, 10. A lot of these girls are saying this, which is very normal for girls to start that early nowadays. And they don't want to be a woman. So getting the messaging that because they start this, it means that they're now in this next phase of life rather than an in-between phase of life, right? I also hear that girls particularly like tomboy girls they think that this is going to ruin their kind of the way they interact with the world right that they're not going to be able to climb trees and things like that which is obviously not true but that's some of the messaging and some of what they're getting the other thing that I hear and I do not hear it in these words but this is what girls are saying is they're really resistant about particularly their cycle because of what they see valued in the world. So we live in a society that values linear nature. We're all kind of in a race, (laughs) right? From the beginning to the end, we've got to put as much as we can on our plate. That makes us really valuable, our to-do lists and doing them all and being involved in all the sports and all the this and all the that and doing all the things and like these are all successes and these are what they, it's what they see as valuable. It's very linear. Like we've got to get all these things accomplished. We have to do them by this set time. It's very linear. They're about to cycle for their first time. They're about to bleed and cycle for their first time. And no one even talks to them about the fact that it's a cycle. They might hear the f- words luteal and, you know, they might hear these kind of phases of the cycle, but no one's describing it to them in this way. And they're not seeing cyclical living as valuable, right? So they're starting their period, they're feeling more of a cyclicalness within their body, but they do not see that that as being valued. So again, the girls are not saying it in those ways, but that's what they're saying to me. It's like they all of a sudden don't feel, they feel like their way of being is different, but their way of being that's different is not valued in any way. And they don't want that. They don't want to not be valued and they don't really want to be a woman. 
They don't want this womanly thing to happen to them. So when we're covering what it, this menstrual cycle and what puberty really means to girls, we're just telling them, like I said, we're telling them about the biochemistry of it. We're telling them that their bodies are going to change. Not even why, just that they change. This thing called the menstrual cycle happens. And that's pretty much it. We don't cover the figurative messiness of it, right? We don't tell them that this is messy. So I'm, I'm asking you, and this podcast is talking about honoring and respecting. And when I think of honoring and respecting, I'm thinking of knowing about it and being able to connect to it. I'm not trying to wave my magic fairy wand and saying this period is going to be amazing for them and they're going to love having their period and roots you to the earth and the blah, 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 right? I'm not saying that. Um, although that's how I now often feel. But I'm not saying we put it in those terms even to them. I'm actually saying we describe it in all of the ways that people experience it, right? Because we used to learn about menstrual cycles as if it was a curse, right? It's the red curse. And there's a thousand million things that we hear culturally about how our menstrual cycles are kind of curses and they take away from our power and we should like control them. That is powerful if we control them, right? So then we, we go on birth control pills to like control this thing and then we get to be powerful and out there in the world. I am trying to say that we can teach them a way to be connected to it as being powerful, right? Connection is the powerful thing, not disconnection and control over. Connection to the cycle rather than hiding the cycle so that we can be linear beings. I'm also saying that we cover the figurative messiness of the stage of puberty. Like it gets a little messy in there. There's a lot of growth that happens. There's a lot of shakiness that happens inside. There's a lot that's getting rearranged in the body and the brain and the emotions and just our sense of place in the world. And so really honoring and respecting and knowing about that messiness is a great way of helping them connect to it rather than push it away. When they push away that messiness of this time period is when they disconnect from it and when they hate it and when they hate themselves. Right? I'm not saying that it's always going to, again, going to be roses. If we just lean into it, it's going to be great. Right? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if we can help them know that the messiness is normal, and then we give them tools to help them through that messiness, they see the modeling of it in their own house, then it helps the whole transition period. And then we also talk about the literal messiness of it all, right? Periods are not always super clean. <laughs> like they get messy. I don't know about you, but I definitely have my period underwear, right? And I have bled on the bed on accident. I have got it on my pants on occasion. I have not known that it was coming sometimes. And it has gone down in places that I didn't want it to because it just caught me unaware, right? That happens no matter if you're in puberty or older. And so telling ab about the messiness, because one of the things I hear that women who are in their 30s and 40s used to whisper about all the time or just keep silent mostly is the messiness. Women have told me they got it on the bed and they hid it from their parents. Got it on their underwear and didn't know that was normal and thought they were really bad. So they threw them away or they hid them. 
And not only are they hiding the parts of the like physical evidence, but they're hiding their emotional nature as well. What's going on emotionally with them? Because it's messy, and we don't always value messy. We like things clean, right? So conveying to them the figurative and literal messiness of it all is really, really important to helping them continue to connect and honor this phase of life. Because what happens when we go through this phase of life connected, we come out on the other side still connected to ourselves, and then we, we continue to be ourselves rather than lo losing ourselves around along the way and then having to find ourselves again, you know, in our 40s when we have a midlife crisis, right? The goal is trying to keep them connected to their own body and themselves and what is, is actually normal. And for many of us, we don't know what that is. We don't even know our own connection to our bodies. And that that is actually normal for those of us in our 30s and 40s. Because culturally, we weren't taught these things. And we didn't know that we should know these things, that there were things to know. We just thought we learned what we needed to know, and now we just have to deal with it, right? We see that on advertising. We see, you know, there's we've all seen that, like, advertisement of the lady in the white outfit playing tennis, right? Like, don't let your period stop you. You can still be very productive and out there in the world. And I'm not saying that you can't be productive or out there in the world. I'm just saying it doesn't, it doesn't honor what it is. I don't know about you, but I don't want to run a marathon when I'm on my period, right? And many of us, we also think that the symptoms of menstruation and the symptoms of puberty are like something we need to mask, the messiness again. We need to take the pills for the cramps and we need to do all these different things for the symptoms we may feel and we might hate our period because of the symptoms but really we're hating the symptoms and the symptoms are trying to speak to us the symptoms are trying to tell us something about what's going on with us hormonally what maybe is we're not getting right maybe we're deficient in something maybe it's just rest right and so we're we're needing to understand ourselves and so that we're able to be able to help our daughters or our loved ones more they also have this push-pull between wanting to grow up and not wanting to grow up, which is very confusing for many of us. So they'll take like three steps forward and get very independent and do these things, and then all of a sudden they'll act like a two-year-old. And that's really, really normal and really, really frustrating for many of us, right? I don't know about you, but I can often do that in my own life, act like have my little toddler temper tantrums sometimes. It's really, really normal. And so letting them know that that push-pull is really hard, you recognize it, and it's really, really normal. And they're going to be fine. So culturally, what do we do? The stories that we hear. The stories that we hear are not very positive, right? The vast majority of people, if you look at any study and you listen to any woman, don't like their period, want to control it, want it to go away, and think puberty is just like this messy, horrible phase that we wish we could all like bypass right we hear lots of jokes around it and for many of us there is if you look at other cultures though that's not the story cultures that honor and respect this time period sure it's messy sure it's a transition time period and transition is often hard for many of us but it's not a place where we lose ourselves it's not a place of disconnection it's not a place where we 
are almost shunned. It's not a place where whispers happened. It's very talked about and in some ways honored because it's this really big time period where they're becoming an adult, right? We're, we're making that transformation from child to adult and it takes a long time. Puberty does not happen just when you get your period. Puberty happens over a 10-year decade. Right? It's a slow process and for some of us, our bodies change really quick and then our emotions take a while to catch up. Brain takes a while to catch up. For some of us, it happens really, really slow. This is all really, really normal. So what does it mean for girls in the end when they hear these cultural stories? Remember, a, a lot of it is like unconsciously patterning and a lot of it might be things that we're even saying that are that was unconscious in our brains that we say them out loud and is then unconsciously going into someone else's. A lot of this is things that they hear, just one-offs that they hear about pu puberty or about teens. A lot of it is what they're seeing even on TV. I don't know about you, but if you've looked at any of like the teen shows, they're kind of surly, grumpy people. I don't actually think that that's always what they have to be, but that's definitely what the cultural narrative is saying. And so they kind of live into that, right? It is true that that's patterning their brain, patterning the, the actions that they then live into. So we need to help them continue to keep that connection. Otherwise, it's going to become a disconnection. So in terms of the menstrual cycle, when girls are starting their period, there's a conversation that's being turned on between their brain and their ovaries. When that conversation is turned on, it's often very unbalanced, right? Girls who are experiencing menstruation for that first year probably over only ovulate once or twice the whole year. And so their cycles are kind of out of kilter. We might go months without having a cycle or it seems like months, 45 days would be kind of an average or, nor or within the realm of normal. And so it's not always, you know, planned they can't plan it it's kind of tumultuous the 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 conversation is being turned on and it's kind of like they're saying how much of this hormone how much of that hormone oh this was too much and th it's kind of a communication right so what happens is we often will experience a lot of upheaval either pain or emotional and then we'll go to our doctor um, and the doctor will put the girls on birth control pills and what that does is actually disconnect that hormonal conversation and create a new synthetic, non-really cycling, non-conversation. What that does is actually not address the problem of what might have been out of balance inside and just creates a solution of masking. So the problem is never really dealt with. And at some point, if they do go off the pill, sometimes it has just rectified on its own, especially with pregnancy. And oftentimes it's still there, although it's gotten a lot worse. So that connection, physical and biochemical, is what I'm talking about. And I'm also talking about the connection with themselves, right? And so we're helping girls keep that connection by continuing to talk about what this period actually means, giving them the tools that they need, and reaching out for support that's actually going to support them rather than mask things. Um, another thing that I want to address is 
incorporating the cycles into your own daily lives in little ways. So if the girls start cycling and they see that cycling is valuable because we've started this early, for those of you that have 12, 13, 14 year olds already, obviously this, you know, when I'm saying early, I'm saying start as early as like four or five, six, starting incorporating cycles in your life. If your girls are much older, it's never too late to incorporate cycles into your daily life and living it in little ways. And for you, you might even think, what, like, what does that even look like? Because I don't do that in my own life. So it might even having to be learning it in your own life. But it's really simple things like acknowledging the seasons, right? Just acknowledging the seasons, acknowledging where the moon, moon's a cycle, acknowledging where the moon is at. Acknowledging that we live based on these things and they influence us, right? So when I lived in New Zealand a long time ago, I actually met this wise man. I used to work on farms and things and I met this wise man there. And he told me um, that he noticed that his, his emotions were very cyclical. He kept a journal and he lived right by the ocean he lived on the ocean and he was very aware of the moon and one day he realized that he was having similar thoughts kind of the last time the moon was at this phase so he went back to his journal and he actually charted the phases of the moon um for like you know the year prior or something like that and he noticed while reading through him that he was having very similar emotions around similar times of the moon right and so just, to, you know, you don't have to keep a journal with your kiddo or talk about that, but just to show them somehow, like in my house, we, we talk to them about the moon in terms of their energy levels and also sleeping, especially my little guys. They definitely sleep more during certain phases of the moon and sleep less during other phases. And so something that I noticed early on, and then I point out to them, right? So they see that their internal bodies are also very cyclical. Um, they also get a little crazier at other, other points of the moon. So I, I show them like, hey, it's this phase of the moon. We're feeling a little extra cranky, right? So incorporating that into your life in some little way, just a conversation about it and a recognition of how those things are playing out in your own life. I also want to talk about honoring where we are, honoring where you are, and that you're in a perfect spot. You might be hearing this and being like, I know nothing. And that might make you feel mad or sad or I've heard lots of different emotions and none of them are right or wrong. Um, they just are what where you're at. So if you have little knowledge about your own cycles, um, try and deepen that. There's lots of resources. I have some on my website to help you learn more about your cycles I personally track my own menstrual cycle and not because, not for fertility, well, not only for fertility reasons, but mostly because I want to see my own rhythm. So like when in my cycle do, what emotions do I experience more than other parts of my cycle? Do I crave, I have cravings at certain parts of my cycle, like in my PMS period or that period right between, before you um, start your period. I often have cravings, cravings for lots of things. There's just like a deep craving within me during that time period. And so that's something I recognized and then helped 
um, kind of facilitate in a better way than like junk food, right? Because that's not really helping me. Um, knowing what's going on in your head. There's like these repetitive, um, I know I'm not the only one because I've talked to many of you who said this happens, but like repetitive thoughts that go on in your head, particularly pri- prior to your menstrual cycle or right at the beginning of your menstrual, um, your bleed. So there's reoccurring thoughts and those often tell you about kind of what's happening in your life right now. Like there are keys in your life. Sometimes they're really, really loud for people and that means it's something they really, really need to address. And sometimes there's a little quieter. Like for me, sorry, I needed some water. For me, that looked like, um, ages ago, it used to look like uh, when I would do the dishes the and I was at that time, I'd be like, why does no one in my house help me? Right? Why am I always doing the one that does everything? No one helps me. No one appreciates me. Ah, right? There's some of those deeper stories that need some healing work. And when I realized that that was a pattern that was happening, I used that, those thoughts, and I used them to my own benefit to address those and then the next month I started actually asking for help and creating my own changes rather than blaming everyone else for the way that I was feeling right creating some of that change myself asking people for more help throughout the month so that what I found was those thoughts started to go away and so now I really listen to what the thoughts are during certain parts of my cycle especially the repetitive ones right So the healing work that you might have to do might be physical, right? You might have to know your body more so that you can address some of those PMS symptoms like cramping or um, maybe just utter exhaustion. Not just like you get tired, and but you just like can't move when you're on your period or headaches that might be happening or like I said, cramping or maybe a lot of acne, like healing yourself physically but also healing yourself emotionally. So doing that work that I just talked about. The more that we honor where we are, the more that we know about our bodies, the more that we respect our own bodies, the more that we can help our daughters be more connected because the more connected we will be, right? It's hard to teach connection when we hate our own cycles. And so... Use this as an opportunity to also dig deeper. Maybe you don't hate your cycle, but maybe you just have indifference to it. That's a lot of women. They're just like, really? It it like means something? I thought it was just this thing that happened and helped me have babies or not have babies. Right? So take the time to do the work to connect ourselves to the cycle and to honor it ourselves. And for me, what that looks like, that honoring of my actual bleeding part of the cycle means that I honor my cyclical life right? I cannot always have a 20 page to-do list and get it all done. There's certain parts of my cycle to be, you know, right after the bleed up until a few days after ovulation for me, that man, I can like cross off 5,000 things off of my to-do list and one day feel no effects, feel great, um, feel really extroverted, want to say yes to everything. And then there's certain parts of my cycle that I don't, that I am slow, like even uh, my brain just chug, chug, chugs along. And there was definitely points in my life that I got really down on myself, like, come on, pull it out. And like, 
why why are you blah like why can't you do what you need to do and why are you not like all the other women why can't you like keep your house clean and why can't you why do you fall behind and can't to get everything done once i started living more cyclically in my cycle and knowing when that cycle was coming then it all like all those really bad thoughts that no, i wasn't valuing myself those all went away because i was like oh i'm just here there's lots of things i can do in this part of the cycle it's just like I can't have a 10-page to-do list and expect to do it. So I don't create one for myself. I really maximize the time that I have. And then I fill those other periods and live more cyclically within that. Because there's a lot of things, other things that um, are stronger during those periods. And also useful and also valuable. Um, I actually have a th free thing on my website about menstrual cycle rhythms. So check that out if, if you want to hear more about that particular or there's lots of women out there doing writing books and on the sim similar topics. Um, so doing your own cyclical work. So for me, like right when I'm bleeding, I actually do a ceremony or a ritual every month. This is what it looks like. Um, I do a bath or I do some slowing down. So I do let my house go a little bit. I often cook food ahead of time so that I can just take it out of the freezer and still eat healthy so that I don't have to cook because I'm during this type time of my cycle for me I'm very apt to just like order it order in right order out take out um, and your body is really needing a lot of nourishment during that part so that's not as helpful to you so I definitely freeze food in advance and slow down I don't book uh you know, I don't book the workshops I do during my cycle because I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I'm too slow and my brain's slow. It's a different experience, but I don't like doing them. So I try to plan a little bit. I don't overcommit during those cycles. And I also take a bath and, and then I do some journaling. I have a cycle journal where I just journal about any repetitive thoughts that might be coming up. I journal about if I'm having any symptoms and during that month. Um... And then what that month looked like. So if I'm having a lot of symptoms like cramping, it tends to be I had a lot of stress and I didn't slow down during that week before my period in particular. Um, I didn't take care of myself very well, my own self-care. Um, and I didn't enact those things that I normally do. Um, and so then I'll kind of check in with myself and then I'll kind of make adjustments. My Like my... Uh, what am I excited about for this m new month? Like what I'm, how I'm going to get myself back on track if I had a hard month or what I'm going to even work on more this next month, right? It's like a kind of a checking in with that cyclical part. And during that cyclical, when we're bleeding, our right and left hemispheres are actually having a conversation that does not happen at any other point in our menstrual cycle. So it's like our analytical and intuitive sides can actually chat with each other and so we have a lot of power even though we feel not so valuable and kind of messy right we feel messy um, sometimes we feel angry and a lot of us push those things away during those parts of our cycles and that might be why you hate your cycle you are becoming a raging psycho person I've heard that a lot or the opposite you can't get out of bed because you're so tired right there's there's lots of ways of addressing those but first we have to tune into what that is and what it's trying to tell us so the last part of this podcast i'm going to do the eight steps right we all love those things for some reason five steps to this eight steps to that 
I think we love them because it gives us tools. And so that's what I want to leave you with is some tools to help your daughter honor this time of, of her life. So I step one is to talk about your body and the cycles early and often. So bring younger children into your cycle. My boys mostly know when I'm on my period. First, because they don't respect my boundaries and come into the bathroom when I'm going to the bathroom. Um, Or they'll just walk in on me, right? That happens sometimes. They're more respectful about my pee time now. (laughs) But they know. My four-year-old, if he'll notice that I'm on my period, he'll say, oh, you're bleeding, mama, no baby. Like he knows that that means there's no baby in my belly if I'm bleeding, right? And he wants a sibling, so he gets sad, which he's not getting because he's number four and that's enough. Um, But they know what the blood looks like. They don't think it's weird or wrong. I'll say to them, hey, mom is extra tired. We're not going to the park today like we had planned because I'm on my period. I'm I'm on my cycle. And they respect that. They don't see it as wrong or invaluable or inconvenient. They're just like, oh, okay. Or I cry a lot, like very overactive tear dress on my cycle, right? It doesn't mean it matter if it's sad or happy. I just cry like they just cry a lot more. So they know that like it's not a big deal. Like it doesn't mean hold more weight, <laughs> Or like uh, the world is falling apart because mama cries more on her cycle. They just see that as part of it is. Um, I don't make a huge deal about it. It's just something that's like part of our life. And so I like that because it's I have three boys and a girl, one girl. And so they've just always known this as a part of our life. And so my hope is that they will then, if they choose to have a partner that's a woman later in life, they will um, respect her cycle as well, right? So step one is to talk about your body and cycles early and often. Again, if you have a 13, 14 year old and you're listening to this, it's not too late. Like you can gently talk about your, your body or cycle, just like little words like, oh man, I'm on my cycle and I'm really needing a lot more carbs right now, right? And then if you don't know why that happens, you should definitely check out my free webinar on my website. Um, but then maybe your daughter might ask you why. Or maybe you're at a part where you're really wanting <coughs> to stop having acne. And so you're really working on your liver. So you're eating a lot of cilantro and other liver cleansing food. And so maybe you'll say, like my kids, I recently did this. That's where this is coming from. Why are we eating so much cilantro? And then I told them, I'm like, well, you both have a lot of acne. And I've had some too lately. So I'm just putting more cilantro in our food to help our livers. Because our livers help process our hormones, blah, blah, blah. Right? And so they're like, oh, okay. So even if they're older, you can still do that work. So step two is bringing the cyclical as well as linear into your house. Again, it's never too late for this, but demonstrating that not only the linear way of being is valuable, demonstrating the cyclical way of being is also valuable. So talking about those moons, talking about the cycles, talking about whatever cyclical nature you can bring in your house right you don't have to celebrate the solstices and equinoxes if you don't want to but just bringing attention to them talking about what seasons mean right winter means hibernation that's what most of us do in the natural world um it doesn't mean go 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 do 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 all the time and so honoring that maybe even planning your family's rhythm based on that right in winter i don't do sports with my kids they do not they don't do winter sports because I don't want to be out. I'm not a hermit, but I definitely don't want to be out as much and I 
hunker down a lot more. I say I say no to a lot more things in the winter, which in our society, in the northern hemisphere at least, when it's winter time, we it's the holiday season and we go, 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 do, 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 and that burns a lot of people out, right? So even for our family, we don't even do the holidays celebration in that way. We don't do like gifts. We do a vacation as a family instead. Um, so step three, talk about what will occur in her body early and often. So talk about it in terms of health. Um, as you know, early, early as in like three, four, you're telling them the correct anatomical body parts. And at eight, you're starting to say like, these are the, what do you notice? What do you notice about the difference between kids' bodies and adults' bodies? Why do you think that is? Oh, did you know that around the age of eight to whatever, your body's going to start to change? And like, that's really normal. So just kind of, again, bringing the conversation into your house before those things happen is much more preferable. Otherwise, that way, the conditioning that they're getting is this is normal, this is natural, this is normal, this is natural, this is normal, this is natural, because guess what? It's normal and natural, right? Step four, work on your own connection and honoring by either creating a ritual or a ceremony or just doing the work. Maybe you hated pu pu your pu puberty. Maybe you hate your period. Doing some work around why do you hate that? What did you hear? What experiences do you have? Doing some work around trying to heal that because that doesn't mean it's going to be their story, right? healing around is there messiness in your life that you don't accept messy parts of your life messy parts of yourself that you don't expect um that you don't enjoy I, I do some of that work as well with people step five is plan some sort of party or cel celebration with your daughter around this phase of life so time magazine about five months ago ran a article called period parties are all the rage and they really are and so it does not have to be a period party um, but lots of other cultures respect and honor this time period and I feel like if we did that we're changing the cultural narrative right it is an honoring it doesn't have to be the period it could be just a certain time when they're 13 Maybe it's when they're 13 and you take them on a trip and you do some talking and walking on the beach or in the in nature. Maybe it's you invite the whole family. Maybe a tom in my puberty classes, I I, we talk about this. One girl who's a big tomboy is like, I'm just going to have all the boys over and we're going to, you know, celebrate me, but also just have fun and play. And I am like, yeah, that's great. It, it, I suggest doing it with her um, as you're getting closer and also honoring her with some sort of a gift that is more wisdom in nature. So like getting all your best friends and family members to write a letter or um, send a bead and make a necklace or a charm for a charm bracelet or something like that where you can give her this thing that she will remember this time period um, and having it be like a connection point for her, right? Rather than like a new doll or toy. Um, next up is give her tools for the messiness of this change and give yourself tools. So know what's normal and what's not. Know what's happening in the brain. You knew probably when it was a toddler 
that toddlers can't really share until the age of three or four. Like their brains don't know what they're doing. That doesn't mean when your two-year-old snatches something, you're just like, whatever, they can't share. You obviously demonstrate good behavior, just like in puberty. Like the prefrontal cortex isn't online, so they don't always think five steps ahead like we do. That's really, really normal. But then you can teach them, right? They don't always, they can't control they have all these emotions, they have all these hormones, but they don't have ways of regulating them. That doesn't come online for a bit. So knowing that helps you as a parent. Knowing that helps you give them tools to help them practice the expression and regulation of hormones, right? So giving her tools for the messiness and giving yourself tools so that when things go kind of crazy, you don't feel crazy and you don't create this relationship of disconnection, right? Um, the next step is to allow for more rhythmic, rhythmic living. And what I mean by that is giving her space around her cycle, not having it, not saying like it's a cop out and I'm not saying she's sick, not even saying it happens every month. It's not like she gets to skip out on school every month. Um, I'm just saying like, give her space around it. Tell like, give her value that that rhythmic thing that's happening to her is valuable and she can trust and connect and honor her cycle so like in our house we do i give my kids a few personal days every school year and they can take them as needed right and it's not and that this might not work for your family you might be like yeah no school is a non-negotiable they go every day that's fine i'm just giving you some ideas that i've found that work in our house uh, i believe that I mean, in most other cultures other than American, the people who go to work get personal days. You need personal time. Sometimes life is stressful. Sometimes you're just burnt out and it's hard. I believe that we should give our kids time and space to connect to that, right? I think that if your daughter's on her period and she had committed to a birthday party and now she doesn't want to go because she's just exhausted, I think it's okay for her to be exhausted and for her not to go. I think holding them up to integrity in their word is very important and also letting them listening to their body is very important. So allow for that rhythmic living in her life and give her space around her cycle. That will help her appreciate and accept her cycle more and also it will make it not so painful for her. Step seven is circling up. Most of us, when our kids were littler, there was more community. There was either more community with our own family or we did toddler groups or all those kind of things, baby groups. And now that they're older and going through this time period, we don't connect so much. We drop them off in the pickup and drop off lines. We, they are, yeah, we just don't connect as much to other parents, right? And this seems normal. And so what I'm asking us to do is to circle up more. If you have not read the book Mother Daughter Project, the Mother Daughter Project, I think it's a great book for creating some sort of mother daughter circle that you could do monthly with, with other people. It doesn't even have to be her best friends. It could be moms that you know, or it could be her best friends, or it could be random people. She actually gives a lot of great ways of creating this circle. But a people that you can all talk about big topics with. You can also just have games and arts and crafts and food. Maybe it's just four times a year, but something that you can create to connect 
So she sees other moms are thinking the same way and also that she has other moms to reach out to because not always do we want to reach out to our own mom in these years and that's totally fine as long as she's having another figure in her life that she could connect to. And the last step is don't let her suffer. Seek out help. As she's really struggling with connection to her own body, connection to or like the messiness of puberty and the dark cloud that sometimes can descend, if that dark cloud like never lifts, then that's definitely something you want to seek out help for, right? Or if her cycle is always painful and never, and she hates it and she bleeds for two weeks and all these things, I suggest seeking out help and not, you know, if you just go and somebody wants to give you a pill, I would suggest looking at all sorts of different options um, and doing what's right and what sits best for you and her. So I'm hoping those steps helped. If you have questions about what those tools look like or things like that, um, I will be creating more podcasts, but you're also always um, welcome to email me, reach out and ask questions, comment below, do whatever you need to do to connect with me and get more solid in yourself and more solid in ways of helping change the cultural narrative, stop whispering about everything, and start talking about out loud about things that are so important for our overall health. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for being with me, and I will see you next week. Bye, everyone.